2: This is the beso- amazing Pride of West London podcast, and we've gone all rock and roll. You know what happens, we go down to Reading on the M4, we win a match, we're so happy. We come into town in the midweek and we go all rock and roll. We decided to do something, every week we keep going to West London, we go to a lovely little pub and they're very, very nice to us there, or we go to maybe somewhere in East London they're very nice to us there, but we thought, No! Things are changing for the bees at the moment now, and things are looking up for us, so let's go all rock and roll. So we decided to come down to Carnaby Street, to the bottom of Carnaby Street, to a pub called The Sun and 13 Cantons. Absolute rock and roll. If you come inside here, there's photographs of Bowie and the Clash and the Sex Pistols and the Jam and all sorts of characters on the walls. And the music is blasted, as you can hear. Nick Kershaw. Nick Kershaw as well, like you know. Adam Ant's probably here somewhere as well. And uh, it's all gone really rock and roll, so we're going to have to talk up a little bit now because the music is so loud. People are on the tables dancing, jumping around, and all over the place. But it's all good. The Sun and 13 Cantons. Got a little bit of history here as well. Apparently, it was a Masonic Lodge. It was a Masonic Lodge and also apparently somebody who used to live above here John Hurt John Hurt used to live higher above here as well so there's all sorts of stuff going on here so we're feeling pretty rock and rollish my name is Billy Grant and I'm so chirpy after Saturday Reading it was freezing cold but we got three points against Reading on Saturday could have gone the other way if they would not hit the crossbar and uh, Bentley hadn't done what he had to do but listen we got the three points which is all good and I'm sitting here in this rock and roll pub the Sun and 13 Cantons the Sun and 13 Cantons Croutons well not Croutons actually the Sun and 13 Cantons just at the bottom end of Carnaby Street coming to the bottom end of Carnaby Street I think it's Great Portly Street this place is as well so you come down there if you're in the West End wicked, wicked, wicked place but I'm sitting there with my mates Dave Lane, how are you?
4: I'm very well, mate. Is, we're on a bit of a prog rock little adventure now. We're used to going into pubs and it being funky. I don't, I don't think we've been in a kind of like um, a Who soundscape of um, rock venue before. I think, um, And we've also been on a bit of a learning curve. I found out what our Canton is tonight.
2: And we're going to find out in a minute as well, aren't we? So oh, Christ, yeah. Yes, right, indeed. Listen, and we've got in the house again. We haven't seen him for a few weeks He's our rock and roll man in the house, Lord Lucan, the Lucan, how are you doing? I'm very good, I'm very good. Yeah, making an
0: impactful return, like, like Alan Judge. And like, like Dave was saying, we love a bit of prog rock. It lasts about seven minutes, which is usually like the injury time where we're scared of that ball in the box.
2: <laughs> the Lou Can, listen, we'll come back to you in two seconds. We've got a man who's not been on the podcast for a little bit. At least over a season, but every time he comes back, he's always got something to say. Here's the man with the yellow skin, the banana Trevor Innes. How are you doing, my man?
5: I'm fine. By the way, Billy, I was here just a few weeks ago in the in a place in Harrisville. Do you remember? It was, it was this season. It wasn't that long ago, but good to be back and... Um... Good to see you again, and this is a very noisy pub, everybody, a very noisy pub.
2: I, I see the banana, you're not very happy with the noise, I see you've got your air plugs in, you take your slippers off, you know, you've got your, you've got your chocolate in front of you and all sorts, haven't you?
5: Absolutely, it doesn't help when you get a bit of mutton as well, you know, that's, that's, that's the problem, Billy. But I will struggle on, I will struggle on for the sake of besides
2: Which is all good, but look, listen, we're in the Sun and 13 cantons, and for some people, 13 is unlucky, for some. I'm I'm just wondering because for Brentford I mean unlucky for Brentford I mean we could hark back to the changing room at Cardiff we were the only team to have lost in the lucky changing room or the first team the first team because we set the precedent the first team to have lost in the changing room the lucky changing room at Cardiff every other team I think it was 12 teams or 11 teams before us had won we went in there thinking yeah we're going to beat Vale. oh no we've lost as well Where else? We're unlucky at Wembley. I mean, how many times have we won at Wembley? Uh, None, you know, which is not good as well. Uh, We're unlucky in playoffs. How many playoffs have we won? Uh, Is it it none? None. We've won no playoffs as well. And also, if you've ever noticed... 74%. Well, this is good. Zero playoffs is 74%. Um, If you've also noticed, number 13 for Brentford. Have you ever seen a number 13 for Brentford, Luke Was the last one David Hunt?
0: I'm being
2: being fed. I'm being fed that
0: by wiser, wiser friends around me. Was
2: it? Well, apparently, I mean, did did David Hunt? What kind of career did he have with Brentford? Was it was it lucky or was it unlucky?
5: I think to David it was lucky because it was the um, the day of his um, daughter's birthday, and you will remember. I think at the time we had uh, an auction or a lottery. For a fan to be number thirteen and been mentioned in the Match Day squad and mentioned on the um, in the matchday programme, and uh, the person who got it that year was asked to move because we signed David Hunt and he wanted the shirt, he wanted a number thirteen shirt, which is rare, I think, absolutely rare.
0: What, 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 did we did we have like uh, you know octogenarian super fan Bill Axby? Wasn't he number thirteen for oh, one year? Yeah,
4: yeah. It was. This it, it, is all under Andy Scott's reign at Brentford, which I've completely erased from my memory. So, any, anything that happened under Andy Scott, I don't, don't recall. I think he made a dugout, number 13, didn't he, when he moved it to the other side of the stadium so he could get a suntan during
2: the game. <laughs> so, listen, this was, like I said to you, this place was a Masonic lodge. We had the Hurst live here as well. But also, there's a little bit of a canton. Jeff Hurst, Jeff Hurst didn't live here. No, 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 not Jeff Hurst. It was, it was, uh, Hurst. It was yeah, Hurst <laughs> Hurst. But there was also a canton thing going on. Listen, banana... What is, what is this cantons?
5: Well, cantons are um, part of a federal state, um, most famously in Switzerland, but also in Luxembourg and other places, whereby they're the equivalent of a, a US state. So I think there's 26 cantons in Switzerland, some which are bizarrely called half cantons, and I think there's 12 cantons in Luxembourg. And those are really the... the um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. They're just the equivalent of boroughs or sorry of counties in England or states in the US.
4: How come he's allowed to say all that and I can't even mention John Terry's?
2: Name? No, Henry, we'll move on from this anyway. He's talking about Cantors. No, listen, unlucky for some, we're all Beast fans and we have got our little superstitions. I'm just wondering, just going around the table there, does anybody have any superstitions that you think might be a little bit unlucky? The Luke Hand. Yeah,
0: I never bet on Brentford. Um, unlike Sam Sodji, I never bet on a game that I'm directly or indirectly involved in.
2: Listen, Laney.
4: Yeah, well, I have got a few actually, but the, my main one, and um, it, it's like the way I walk to the ground. You know, my, my routine on a match day is pretty, it's pretty sort of set in stone, really. I go to the pub and I see my mates and we have... You know, I have, a, I, have a, I have something to eat, and I have, you know, one drink too many, then I then all will wander off to the game, and then but I have to go the same way. I have to, I have to go down down Windmill Road, and then turn left towards the ground, and then turn right. I go past the way in, and turn left into Braemar Road, and go through the same turnstile. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm quite regimented in my. In my routine, so yeah, it's the way I I, I get to the ground, and um, so I, I am superstitious, and it. But um, it doesn't
2: seem to change if we lose the banana. Any superstitions from yourself?
5: Well, it seems a lot of people think I do, Billy. I mean, it's been suggested tonight that I all watch foot. I always watch football in my suit. I always arrive in a chauffeur-driven car. I never buy a fanzine, but none of these are true, Billy. I don't, I'm not really a really superstitious <laughs> person,
2: but thanks. You know. You can see there's a little bit of trepidation and he's a bit scared there, isn't he? So to fend it all off, all the rumours that are flying around. And for me, superstition. I've got, you know, I've just got normal superstitions. Actually, there's one thing and it's really weird. I will not walk under a ladder. I would walk three miles around and not, to not walk under a ladder. I'm actually very scared about walking under a ladder. I'm the same with you about walking to the ground. We walk the same way. And I remember one time, some person wanted to walk through some flats, and I, I, it was almost like I just started to shake. Because no, no, you can't do that. He says, why? Because if we go that way, we're going to lose. And the, the, the real belief that if we went the other way, it's going to lose. And the other thing is that if Brentford are kicking towards the Ealing Road in the first half, for me, that's all over. I can't, I can't handle that. You know what I'm saying? It's all over. And I just think, we're going to lose today. This is because they understand what the superstition is and we're going to get
4: it wrong. That is pretty much the unwritten rule. And that's, that's been going on for several years now. It's probably been going on for 10, maybe longer. You know, every Brentford team seems to manipulate it that we kick towards Eden road in the early road in the second half, and you know, I, I think I think it is significant. And if anyone wants to completely throw us, I mean, maybe they need to um, to take that into consideration. But you know, we we got a pretty good run going at Griffin Park this year, and I think I think that's part of it. It's just the fact that we do we do kick towards our most vociferous fans in the second period.
5: Yeah, on that, I like to know how that works actually, because presumably the captains agree beforehand but Brentford will kick the normal way and then kick towards the in the second half but then occasionally I guess that there is no agreement and the, and the opposition is trying to put us off our stride by making us kick the other way around I just wonder, are there any clubs that do that in particular or is there any captains doing that in particular I mean how does that how does that work
2: well, I don't know. I mean, this is a question that maybe you might have to ask and we're going to talk about this a little bit later. So Matt Benham, because I know that the GPG, because the banana is the moderator for the GPG and he's got a Q&A with Matt Benham coming up in a few weeks' time. So maybe this is one of the questions that you might want to ask him. Lucan. i
0: was just going to say this, this podcast is spiralling out of control already. We're on weather in the summer. We, we've elected when the sun's in the keeper's eyes a couple of times under, under Andy Scott. Dave, I'm sorry about that. And when the wind's been really crap, we have a couple of times we've won the toss and gone the other way. I will say, stat-wise, are we on our 13th unbeaten game at Griffin Park this season?
2: Maybe I not. think we are. I think, I think we are. Son and 13 unbeaten games, in fact. I think
4: it's really simple. We've really probably got one of those really dodgy trick £1 coins. And we give it, it's, we give it to the give it to the referee he flicks for who's going to pick which end and it's just a dodgy coin I think that, I think he probably is come out of a Christmas cracker
2: in 1963 Indeed, indeed. So listen, we've got our podcast, we're gonna be talking about stuff. Listen, rock and roll in here in the Sun and Thirteen Cantons, absolutely teething tremendous as we say. We've got loads of things to talk about today. We're gonna to talk about Saturday's match at Reading, which is freezing cold. But well, we got three points so we didn't mind too much. We've got the football village news, we'll be talking about XBs, we've we'll been talking about transfers, we'll be talking about the GPG's interview with Matt Benham coming up, we'll be talking about team news, UEFA's Nation League, we might talk about that. Even talk about Leeds United's badge if you want to as well. And we'll be talking about the social that we did in December. Big Bob Taylor, he talked about his final days at Wolves, and we'll have a little bit about what he had to say there. And also, our social coming up in the summer, the end of season social as well. And also, we're going to be talking Norwich with Claire from the Little Yellow Bird Project as well. Loads to talk about, but before we do that, let's go back to Saturday. Let's go back to the freezing cold. Let's go back to that stadium which is very large but it's got no atmosphere whatsoever. We've got 3,000 Beast fans in the house and luckily we got a goal in the second half which meant that we got three points from Reading. We talked to the fans in the queue, in the bus queue, after the game at Reading.
6: I think we're very good. I think uh, we should play the the game that we were starting to do in the second half where we kept the pace I think that it was too much possession football in the first half and uh, but the second half was really good and Vibe was just amazing and I think uh, we can actually reach the playoffs.
4: You talk about Vibe, yeah, he, he didn't stop running did he?
6: Yeah, he was, he's very convincing because he, not only does he always grab the ball when he gets it, he's very effective scoring and he's also very effective covering areas for the uh, well, making the first defending very effectively.
1: You know, obviously we're quite a, a crucial point in the season where we have three points away. I don't know where we are in the league at the moment. I don't know what the other results are around us, but obviously this was the one to win, I think, the season. If we can push on from here, I think we'll look back at this game and think this actually was quite a crucial crucial game to win. They can look back at this game and they can push on from here. I don't think it was an, an easy game to watch. I think they could have definitely been 2-0 up, you know, possibly by the, the first half. I think we had two clear chances that we didn't take. But, you know, I, th- I think overall... It, it sort of proved our stamina, and it proved sort of like our grit and determination that actually, you know, we can hold on and we can and we can push against these teams. And obviously, Reading were itching for a win because they, they're on a very downward spiral at the moment. They're right at the bottom of the league now, um, and you know we picked up another three points away from home. To be honest, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if if someone does come in and pinch one of our players because obviously we are on form at the moment. We've got some absolute class and quality that we're showing almost on a weekly basis now. But it's very quiet at the moment it seems, some, some say it's come before the storm, but um, fingers crossed we will hold on to our key players, Woods included and we can, pu- we can push on. But, you know, if, if, we, if we do have to sell a player in January, it's, it's all part and parcel of, of, of the game plan. We have to sell players to actually earn money, to actually buy new players. One-way traffic, to be honest. There were a few opportunities for Reading,
7: but it was more all the opportunities we had that we didn't convert into goals. But when we did get our chances, we took him, and there were some great opportunities. It's such a shame. I think the highlight's are going to be brilliant. I think as good as the result was today and the performance... I think it proved how I don't think we'll make it to the playoffs this season. Shitily, because I do think there's six teams that are better than us. You know, you look at the. You
4: do think there are.
7: Yeah, I don't. No no disrespect to Brentford and the club we've got, but I think I look at our team. I think there's two Premier League players out there. One, Alan Judge, who's always injured, and two. Yeah, I know. Just in the squad, generally. But if Anna Judge and Ryan Woods, I don't think we have any other Premier League players. Mm. <clears throat> I say just performances like that, just where players can click together. I say we're journeying a lot better than we are. Like Watkins is growing confidence. You know, Joseph soon, who was struggling against the squad, is starting now and he seems to be doing better each game. A bit, you know, got a bit tired towards the end of it. But we've got some great players. We do have a great squad. And, you know, and with games coming up, you say we've got Norwich next. Yeah. You know, I, f- I fancy ourselves at that home to Norwich who've, you know, been shaking the season and who have lost Addict Pritchard, who's an amazing player but yeah uh, I, I do see good progress going on the club and and as long as we lose nobody in January there's talks of Barbe going there's talks of Ryan Woods going we hold our players it's looking good
2: absolutely freezing freezing Reading was freezing in that queue but it makes it easier to queue up for the bus when you're trying to get away from a stadium in the middle of nowhere when you've got three points and it's interesting as well because you notice there was no Reading fans in that bus queue whatsoever it was all Beast fans happily smiling away with their <laughs> teeth chattering and all sorts of stuff but three points from Brentford uh, it wasn't the best performance in the world however three points is three points and interestingly when we've been playing brilliant early on the season we haven't got the points but this game we just ground it out we did what we had to do and it's interesting just looking at a few of the little sites and seeing what's going on on a statistical way some people like stats some people don't like stats actually Um, Reading Reading were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities from long shot situations but they were poor at finishing and they were caught offside often whereas Brentford they created a high number of chances relative to their possession they were effective at creating goal scoring opportunities through individual skill effective at creating goal scoring opportunities through through balls but we were poor at finishing we were aggressive which we'll probably talk about in a minute with the old yellow cards and we made sure we got at them we were caught offside quite often, which is quite, quite rare from us as well, and we also committed quite a high number of individual errors so pe- people weren 't on their A game, but we still got three points. Listen, forget all that stuff it was a good three points wasn't it
4: Yeah, it was a really good three points, and i, I 'm honestly I can never ever get bored of winning in the Majewski. it 's something that I will never ever tire of it's um the, the fans have got this kind of like um, this, like worth they feel like they're kind of like worthy they they, they 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 deserve success they've always been they've always been a worse team a lesser team than Brentford and apart apart from a couple of seasons in the top flight that's all they'll ever be to us and um, they might have a, an out of an out of town retail stadium but it's everything i hate about football the stadium itself is actually quite alright once you're there but it's getting there and getting out of there i'm not, I'm not I did the podcast. I you know, post match podcast. I literally couldn't feel my hands after after the game, I, and I had to stop. I literally was really in pain, and
2: it's just that, that didn't have anything to do with the, the stadium being out of town, did it?
4: Yeah, it did it was it's exposed. It's horrible. It's kind of like it's just it's just it's just wrong. Um, you know, even their fans hate it. You know, and, that, and their real fans hate the Majeski. So, um, but as I said, I could never get bored of um, winning there, and I've seen Brentford win there quite a lot so um, you know I, I, I just thought Brentford played within their comfort zone we weren't we didn't have to play at our best to beat them we did escape a couple of times Dan Bentley pulled off a couple of good saves they headed they headed and shot over the bar towards the end it, it, on a different day it, it could have been it could have been worse but we got what we
2: deserved we deserved to win and that's what we got I'm going to talk I mean talk again we're bringing stats into it but we just talk about this stuff Interestingly, just over that weekend, talking about pass accuracy last weekend, the top teams. The the top team for pass accuracy was Fulham, 89%. Practically, basically, nearly 90% of their passes were on point. Then it was Wolves with 82%. Aston Villa with 80%. Brentford and Norwich were 78% and Sheffield United were 76% so interestingly we were like 78% we did alright, I don't know how that compares to where we are normally but like I said to you, 78% pass accuracy from the Bees it's interesting because also Reading fans say that what they do is that they pass, they pass they pass but they weren't in there as well so we were still holding the ball very well the banana no,
5: I, I agree. It was pretty much one way travel. I thought Reading were pretty poor recently. But I think there's a number of observations to make. First of all, about the stadium, you know, it was an empty stadium in the home ends. And that was, um, you know, it's, it's, it shows what happens when you know, your stadium is too large for you. Um, the other thing I would say is that we created some very good chances. And we had that uh, shot cleared off the line by an extended foot. Um, but most importantly for me was that we seem to have learnt from the QPR debacle. We were making the fouls in the right area of the field in the last 10 minutes. We picked up three bookings in the last 10 minutes, but we walked out of there with a one-nil win. I uh, think that shows just how much I think the team is maturing, and shows how much the team is going to
2: move on up the league, I mean, which is good. But the flip side of that, I will say, is that you know again coming back to the stats, uh, shots on target, um, Brentford and Fulham. Had the most shots on target at the Championship last weekend. We both had 10. Millwall were third, because we were joint first, Brentford and Fulham, with 10 shots. Millwall were third with eight shots. Leeds and Sheffield United, seven shots. Barnsley, Villa, Sunderland with six shots. But interestingly, Fulham, they had 10 shots. They scored, they scored six of them, so they were 60%. They converted, whereas for us, we had 10 shots. We only converted one, which was 10%. And it's kind of like we need to get that on point as well. Millwall? as well 8 shots and what was their percentage again It was 50% so I know everyone goes all oh, stats and figures and everything like that but we're looking at the opportunities they've had and, and people converting them Lee Sheffield United as well converted a lot
5: It's all stats without context though Billy I mean if, 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 you take, if you take 10 shots against an open goal from 1 yard out you might score 9 out of 10 if you're taking them from the halfway line and they dribble up to the goalkeeper. It's a shot on target. But it doesn't count. So it's it's not just shots on target, but it's the quality of the shots on target as well. And you know, we, we we certainly had two or three quality shots on target, and we were unlucky. We were unlucky not to win that two or three nil. You know, there was a shot, I think, from uh, Juveson that was cleared off the line where it would have gone anywhere else. It would have been in. So I don't I, I don't think you can just look at shots on target. I think and and no one's told me this it's a
2: very poor stat
5: in in my view it's about the quality of the the quality of the
2: I want my Brentford back listen so listen just coming back to this now we're in the middle of January Uh, we said this last week but this feels quite similar to where we were about three years ago where we're, we're just edging into the top six we're still a little bit away from the top six but also the fact is that we've won five is it six games out of seven or is it five games out of six? Five out of six. We won five games out of six but we've uh, we've also won three out of 21 as well. well. We've only lost three out of 21. We've lost three out of 21 games. Oh we're
4: we're we're, we're, we're won at home all season.
2: Yeah. Uh, I speak to the Norwich fans as we speak to Bristol City fans. I speak to I speak to fans, away fans every single week and they said we don't want to we don't want to play you. You're the team that we don't want to play. So we're the team that everyone fears at the moment now. This is a good situation where we are at the moment. We're, we are, we're on the rise, we're in the ascendancy. We can only screw it up ourselves, can't we? Well, yeah, the
0: interesting thing is everyone's saying the last two games we didn't get out of, like sort of second gear and there was much more we could have done and we closed the games off. I think, stat, uh, the game against Reading, that's, our, that's the first time we managed two clean sheets in a row since a couple of draws against our Midland friends Wolves and Villa in the summer. So it looks like what we're doing up, up front is now ma- getting matched at the back. You know, Mepham's on the rise. It would be heartbreaking to lose him this week. Um, yeah, we're doing really well. And, and like we were saying, we felt there was more, definitely more goals we could have scored at Reading. And look, look, I mean, look, look at it. We, we've got, we're keeping the inertia going. Reading are, are a typical championship team. You know, you have one great year, one shit year, or you have one, one great month and one shit, shit month. Unfortunately... Uh, leading our pack is Fulham, you know. Of these people chasing, and there'll be there'll be teams like Sheffield United now and Preston. They'll be getting tested like us to see to see how what the longevity is over the season. Whether whether we'll just be sort of falling off in the next couple of months. So I've, I think the important thing is be where we are at the end of March.
4: I can't, I can't believe our consistency. If I'm honest, you know, from, from the from the first game at Sheffield United to to Reading. I, I think maybe maybe twice we've dipped below what was required. Um, I thought the the game at Wolves we were we were beaten by a better team. Apart from that, where where we shot ourselves in the foot by not playing to our potential, it, it may be one or two games. You know, you know, even even when we've drawn, we haven't deserved to lose. And when sometimes when we've lost, we probably deserve to win. So. You know, we've been, we've been consistent all season long, if I'm being honest with you. And the game we lost at home to, 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 to Nightingham Forest, we, we, we could have got a point if we could have won that game. You know, that, could have, that game could have gone anyway. So, but destiny's in our own hands now. I think, I think this club or this squad is capable of, of pretty much anything. It's capable of nothing as well. Um, but it's for them to keep driving themselves forward, and this is why the unity of the squad, and this is why the, um, this is why that's like paramount now. It's why the winning team, or and, and keeping an unchanged team, it sort of comes into its own now.
5: Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think there's a um, an obvious coming together of not only the squad, but the squad and the. Um, the supporters as well, and what we saw at Reading was a real at at one together. So the clubs pulling in the same direction, and whatever else. But talking about statistics, I mean, you can look at the um, experimental 361 website. I think 538.com, and we even run the GPG supercomputer over the weekend. And it looks so like even that the, the league is so tight that we probably got about a 30% chance of ending up in the playoffs. And that's you know, so we we we. we It's it's, it's an extraordinary thing considering that we were bottom but one after seven games. So, and we were unlucky in those first seven games. The game against Bristol City, the game against London Forest, and more recently losing two late goals against QPR. You know, we 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 actually we have been unlucky. And if 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 we if we believe in ourselves and if we convert our chances, there's, there's absolutely no reason why we can't end the playoffs. And if we're in the playoffs, and we could talk about who we might play later on, maybe. But I don't think there's a team that we would fear. I mean, Wolves are obviously up there with them. Wolves will be promoted automatically, almost certainly. All the other teams around us, they won't want to play us in the playoffs. They won't want to play us in the playoffs.
4: In fact, maybe, maybe I'm going to stick my neck out here. I, I, maybe I'm going to say this: Wolves aside, I don't think, in terms of consistency of performance there is the, a more consistent team in this division than Brentford. Uh, not in terms of results, but in terms of performance, all season long, from Sheffield all the way through to Reading.
5: Absolutely, absolutely agree, and I think that's that's borne out in um, any any model of any, any reports or or the consistent feedback we get from opposition managers, the bottom guys uh, aside, as usual, from opposition supporters. They're all saying that you know, we're a great footballing team so I assure you if we get into the playoffs maybe we can change that unlucky statistic we talked about at the beginning of the podcast and we might get 1 out of 9 Point one recurring Point-
4: Please, please not Fulham in the playoffs so. yeah, well, we'll, we'll see you
2: know, I think like I said to you I've spoke to a couple of Fulham fans and I said that the game that we're playing them on this at the 22nd or the end of April could be a complete and utter key game because it might be one of us two where she's going into the playoffs and what I'll also say is that as you, as you probably know I've um, done quite a few little uh, bits and pieces on the Channel 5 uh, football show as well but from the very first one that we did even though when we lost with Nottingham Forest we lost against Aston Villa we drew against but every single time consistent so on the box have said we will are playing brilliant football and we're good enough to get to the playoffs and I've got abuse and people laughed at us and they said what are you talking about but interestingly because obviously I speak to the channel five people every now and again talking about stuff and they, they say actually you've been saying it from day one you Brentford fans have been saying from day one that you're good enough to go up and now that we can actually see it
4: consistent Bill consistent,
2: consistent consistent and believing
4: what you see yeah. seeing what you see with your own eyes and then articulating it. Is, is, is
5: it yeah just just to back that up just one more stat really after, after 25 so we played what is it 28 games now so after 7 games we were bottom plus 1 um, since then we've gained 14 places in the league to where we are now the only other team that's come anywhere close to that is Aston Villa a massive club uh, Chase managers halfway through their season also 14 places but beyond that there's
2: no one no one else to mean, uh, no, Obviously to. Wolverhampton Wanderers who are gone as well and the other one is also Bristol City say, yeah. Bristol City the other team as well who have I think won more games than us at particular a couple of weeks ago um, they've obviously yeah, they've, they've fallen off a little bit recently their cup run may have t- taken a little bit out of them which you know is very happy about you know, which is, we'll see. But listen, at the end of the day, there's still, as Laney says, it's an um up season, and we are... Copyright, copyright, yeah, co- It seems like we are, and we said this beforehand as well, we'd rather be losing the matches or not winning at the beginning of the season, but going and picking up at the right time, than going hell for leather, like Sheffield United did, and then dipping off, like, you know. And we've seen that before, because we've done that. The season when um, DJ Campbell was the, the striker and the team, we were brilliant and we were fantastic motoring away and then after the cup run we literally just fell away and we 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 we, we, we scrawled over the line that year and it's so gutting and, and it's better to be actually picking yourself up. So all we need to do is we need to be keeping our momentum going and sometimes it okay, might be frustrating. Might be better getting the rhythm right. Yeah. Sometimes we might lose we might draw. So we might draw against Norwich on Saturday which would be frustrating. But we're still moving forward, and that's that's what it's all about.
0: It is, but imagine imagine we finish one point off a playoff, or we get a really crap draw, cause we, we sneak in. and See, I, I I worry about you know it will be the one the season that got away, where everyone will be saying, if we only we got those six more points. In that, but we'll in always say that. we have been saying that for thirty years yeah but we've had the evidence this time this time even in that in that terrible run we were still playing okay and we we, you know, we were the ones saying to everyone don't
2: worry we're all right we're not go- we're, we're not going but, but what I will say to you is that during that time September October I'm going to say you Lou. Would you? Did you ever say we were going to be in the playoffs in September, no, I, October? I, I, I said. I said we'd be finished about tenth or twelfth. We'd be plucky mid
0: tablers and we. I, I said that we'd be the litmus paper for the championship. If you beat us, you could have a chance
2: of going up. So if you, like, if you lost to us, so what? You, you, you so, you're so what you're worried about? So if we finish oh, in sixth,
0: I'm, I'm happy now. I'm out. My, my season's I, I, you over. Know, you no, know, I'm. I, I think. I think we're doing far better than I expected. So we don't
2: need to worry about what and, people say and, anymore, exactly, do we? Because we're and, doing better than everyone expected and what we expected. Yes,
0: and that's why I don't work freshly in football.
2: <laughs> Look,
4: if, if we if we miss the playoffs by one point or three points, it's because we don't deserve to be in the playoffs. So, you know, and and I'm, I'm really it's it's as black and white as that. I'm I'm afraid. And um, but but saying that, you know, even when we were bottom of the table in sept- in early September. I was always, I, I, I always said that we're going to be up there still. And, and you know, listen back to all these podcasts. We've, we've not been blind idiots. We know that we're playing probably the best football we've ever played since the Second World War. So, you know, we are, we, we deserve, we deserve to be in the playoffs.
2: And and just the last word from the banana, who I'm just actually going to say before we talk about this as well, because the the banana was a bit of a knight in shining armour. I mean, we were just preparing for this little section here, and and a woman fell on the floor, and banana stretched his arm out, and before the woman, she looked into his eyes, he picked her up, and before we knew it, there was malarkey taking place. Banana, what is that all about?
5: It always happens, Billy. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's like real-life Tinder. That's all I can say. But anyway, what I was going to come back to Dave and say was that one of the things I think that the more enlightened... Well, I think the principles are enlightened generally. And one of the things that we learnt is over recent seasons is to look at the performance and not just look at the points that we got. I mean, I think 10 years ago we might have said we're second from bottom after seven games. Suck the manager. And now we're looking at the performance and seeing how we're doing and saying, yeah, we are unlucky. And yeah, we still believe that we can finished the season pretty good one thing I will say is that we seem to start every season poorly um, but now for ne- if, if, if for some reason miraculously we don't get promoted next season we have a lot of players on long term contracts so we, we could enter next season with a lot more joined up uh, a, a lot more knitted squad if you, if, if you understand what I'm saying
0: yeah, I was going to agree with, with, with Trev there. It's great when you're beating a, a pub team from one of the 13 Cantons in Switzerland pre-season and you haven't conceded a goal. I think we need a tougher pre-season. Yeah, we do look sluggish going into it. We kind of believed our own
5: hype.
4: I think sometimes as well you need to take confidence in your experience. You know, we, We've watched Brentford and we've watched football for long enough. And if you, if you know that your team's playing really good week in, week out, then you got, you're following a good team. So um you know I, I just I just think you need to be consistent in your outlook and consistent in your views and you know you can't you can't be three two games away always from asking for the manager to be to be sacked.
2: So listen, so look, listen, the reading game, listen, we're all happy here, we're all jolly, we are looking forward to the Norwich game, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but before we do that, let's have a look at the football village news because there seems to be quite a lot going on in the, football, the village. football Village. The Football Village news. What's going around in the Football Village? We know all about the Football Village. It's a very close-knit community. But there's all sorts of stuff going on in the Football Village. We're looking around and we're seeing XBs. What Ex-Bees are in the Football Village at the moment. Keith Millen, who played with the Bees in the 80s and also was at Bristol City, he has actually now become the assistant manager of Franchise FC, a.k.a. M.K. Dons, as well. I'm going to talk about, as well, he's not an XB, O'Shaughnessy o- as well. You're talking about O'Shaughnessy, Lulukhan? Uh, yeah, Daniel O'Shaughnessy,
0: once of the uh, Brentford B team, um, the Finnish slash uh, Irish. Yeah, he's, he's done the Chats route. He's gone, went to Cheltenham on loan as a fullback and has joined H.A.K. Helsinki, so we may get another B in the qualifying round of Champions League next year.
2: Excellent, excellent. And also, uh, XB, um, probably not so much a gla- in a glamorous role as the Shawnessy as well. We've got Sam Soji, who is actually, he's not on the pitch, but he's, he's actually well, on the court. <laughs> he's,
0: he's actually on trial at the it's minute. <laughs> the club is the <laughs> Old Bailey. Who is
4: <laughs> the Old Bailey? Oh, uh, FC, uh, FC Old Bailey. Yeah, FC Old Bailey.
2: So Sam Sodje is with FC Old Bailey at the moment on some sort of um, eleven uh, years. Eleven
0: years they're offering him yeah,
2: as, for money laundering. And, and just tell us so exactly what's this, what it, is the charge that he's is on for? Because I know you've been following allegedly it quite closely, Alleg- allegedly.
0: Allegedly, uh, in the court of law, I think it's Sam and a couple of brothers and one brother who's abroad and refusing to come back. Is that the brother with that ting on his head? Uh, No, it isn't. It's it's probably the criminal mastermind brother, I think, the sensible one, who's in a non-extradition country. Um, Something to do with betting on games and also moving money for people who shouldn't have been betting on games and allowing them to bet. So, Allegedly. Allegedly.
2: so Allegedly, 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 as we will say, because our lawyers are listening to this one. Sam Soji, we used to love Sam Soji when he played for us. Um, but allegedly, he's in in, in the, the Old Bailey, playing for the Old Bailey, apparently, allegedly, at the moment now, um, for uh, for money laundering, allegedly, the banana.
5: Yeah, allegedly, Martin Allen had to allegedly protect him you a few allegedly cases. But I must say, the only Brentford player who's had more appearances in
2: court than for Brentford. Indeed, indeed, as well. We're also talking about a, bre- a bre- ex-Brentford. Well, his manager, but he wasn't quite a manager because he didn't quite get there because it all went horribly wrong before he was appointed. But Pep Clotay which is interesting as well because if you listen around, everyone was talking about Pep Clote and he was a manager of Oxford. And Alleged, they're saying. Allegedly. No, well, There's no allegedly this one. one. And apparently Oxford are playing some wicked football, but they were like hot and cold. So one minute they were wicked, next minute they weren't wicked. But anyway, Oxford have had enough of Pep Clote and they've given them the boots. The 10-tack the, 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 the Pep Clote have got. So it looks like we actually dodged a billet with that one with Pep Clote, which is, which is, uh, which is an interesting banana.
5: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure how it happened and what went wrong because, from my recollection, Pep was actually um, recommended to Matthew by Stephen Cooper over over a dinner a, a long, long time ago, and, and we tried two or three times to get home. He was assistant manager at Swansea. He was the he was the new best thing. Um, he, he didn't want to join. We went for Dean, which I think we dodged a the bullet there. We got Dean. I think he's been. Um, a, a fantastic match for what we do fits into our system brilliantly. And Pep went to Oxford and it's, it's ended up like it is. So, another alternative Brentford history, really. It was.
2: I think it all went really wrong at the, the very last minute. It all got a little bit sticky and a little bit messy. And uh, I think the Bees decided to move on from that one because they decided, yeah, it got a little bit sticky with the clote, um allegedly. Again, I'm going to say allegedly because the lawyers are listening again. From from what we've heard, we uh, good, good, probably good on the pitch, but there was other things maybe that weren't quite right with the cloté as well. Also, what we'll say is as well, nothing to do with Brentford as well. I'd have to say Chris Powell. um, We all like Chris Powell there. Good bloke, good manager. Good manager, allegedly, but no, he's all good. Chris Powell who uh, lost at Derby with, um, he was last at Derby, and then the whole Derby thing fell apart. He was at, at Charlton as well, and they let him go. He's now got a job at Southend as well, and a um, friend of the show here as well. Chris sent us a little text the other day as well, congratulating him on getting his new job, and he came back to us and said, Brentford are absolutely class at the moment. I to Chris Bell as well, because he knows what's going on in, in the land of the bees as well. So let's move on. Transfers. A week today. I mean, the time is not quite 11 o'clock. We've got a couple of hours to go, but I'm going to say exactly seven days from now, the transfer window is going to shut. 11 o'clock on Wednesday to January the 31st, 2018. It's going to be all over. A little bit of a dicky time for Brentford fans always every year, especially in January. Interestingly, because this January has probably been slightly less dicky than the previous years. We had Scott Hogan, who was going to disappear the, the last year. I think it was Tarkovsky the couple of years before that. We've always had characters who was all sort of just disappearing, who's going to upset our flow. So hopefully, it's not going to be the same this time as well. Well, like, yeah, January's a brimming it's, it's a bit of a nightmare.
4: This, this transfer window is the one you don't really want. I, I get the I get the close season one, if I'm honest with you, and it probably needs to finish before the season starts. But January is like it. It's there to help the teams that are trying to either go up and get, they can get a little. Little bit more kind of um, ammo in their in their sort of armory, or, or yeah. the ones that are the ones that are trying to avoid going down. For us, for us, it's like we're we're trying to grab hold of what we got.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think it's, you know, it's the inverse of the usual of the, the same old. We, we we haven't got anyone on strike as yet, and we've we've almost got too too big and too good a squads to blockade everyone at the minute. We you know, we got players coming back. We might have a few people out on loan with something to prove later on in the next few months. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, very different. This is uh, this is probably the most relaxed transfer window we've had in like the last five or six.
2: It's, it's interesting. I mean, you say we don't have anyone on strike, and like I said to, you, we, we need to clarify the scenario because we need to talk about the Alan Judge situation because this is something that's coming. It was interesting because we've had two situations that have happened. Alan Judge spoke to the Sunday Times, or he spoke to an Irish reporter from the Irish Times, and it went into the into the Sunday Times as well, and uh, he, he chatted to him. What we will say is that it probably wasn't the best time for him to be interviewed because he got interviewed a couple of minutes after he found out that he wasn't going to be in the Reading squad. He went straight in, had an interview with the Times and the guy sat down there. He, he, they did the interview, they put it out there and he put his story out there and that story was printed in the Times but also that story was replicated in a local newspaper as well and there was a certain amount of sensationalism that went, went on, uh, to a certain extent, um, and, but, but it was an interesting scenario, and uh, we had that scenario where basically we said that um, Alan Judge wasn't going to, he needed to play against Norwich, and if he didn't play against Norwich, he needed to go out on loan. So that was a story that was replicated in the local paper, everyone picked up on that as well, and then it's moved on because obviously the, the club done a very good job of doing their uh, management, of the media, they've taken Judgy in and they've actually let him give another particular side of the story where he's actually given his point of view where he's not under scrutiny from a, a media hack as such. Now, like I said to you, there's two stories out there now. Um the banana, I know you've got a couple of words on this.
5: Yeah, I mean I, I was in a similar conversation with Alan when he said more or less exactly the same quotes, but he said them. Very responsibly, he wasn't frustrated. Well, there was a little bit of frustration, but he was saying it not in a demanding way. But he was just saying, you know, the manager has selection problems. Um, I want to, I want to play, but you know, I, he says I'm not fit. But how do I get fit if I allegedly don't don't play? And he wants to play, but he also acknowledged that he didn't have enough beating games and whatever else. So I think there was a certain amount of, um, you know, when you see those words in black and white. You don't see the facial expressions, you don't see the body language, and you don't see everything else. To me, he was, you know, on side with where he was in his, in his progression back to the first team. But again, it's another unfortunate effect, I believe, of the transfer window, which is that you know if you, if you're not going to play, you have to know now, and it's it's unfortunate that he's coming back halfway through the transfer window, and if he's going to play, he has to sort his time out in the next two weeks, maybe. So it's it's a it's a complex situation. I know you that, like, Billy. We have an embarrassment of riches uh, in midfield. So who's going to
2: replace? Watkins? Sawyers? You know, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult, one for, it's a difficult one for Dean. And it's a difficult one for him as well. And like I said to you, you can imagine, because you know what Judgey's like. He's chomping at the bit. He's got a lot of uh, enthusiasm. And he wants to get out there on the pitch. You know I mean, I was chatting to some characters before Christmas. And they're like, you know, Judgey, he wants to be on the pitch for him tomorrow. But also you saw, like, the way that we used to... Um, with Scott Hogan Scott Hogan was chomping at the bit for, but we actually kind of like we, we, we staged his comeback you know he got 10 minutes here 10 minutes there eventually played a few B team days and so on and so forth but he came in gradually you know he was ready to come back from January February but we didn't get him until March April when he came in he was completely and utterly on fire which was great and I can see the frustration from Judge as well but he's, he has sat down with a journalist and he has said particular things and at the end of the day we we're just saying that if, the, if, if certain things weren't said he's got to get a retraction from the journalist and I think this is one of the things where I mean I work with artists I work in the music industry you sit down with your artist and say listen we're not going to put you in with that person or we will put you in with that person you've got to monitor what you're going to say frustration has come out there maybe certain things will be said and um, yeah, no, I'm just saying and, 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 yeah, and it, 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 the journalist can take it in,
4: in which way, whichever way I mean, let's, let's, let's say it as it is, to be honest with you. I mean, in, in the end, it was like semantics over the word ultimatum or, you know, he it, it, you know, it, it said what he said. And whether you say it really diplomatically and nicely or whether you say it really bluntly and coldly, he was saying that you know if he's not going to be involved in the team, he he wants to go elsewhere and, and and get game practice, and 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 that that's that's all that was ever reported. Um, I think I think the twist happens with um, get West London. If I'm honest with you, they seem to really kind of um, stick a couple of sticks of dynamite under the story, and um, you know it, it it kicked off from there. But really, you know, <clears throat> you know, no no one's ever dissed. His integrity. No one's ever, no one's ever suggested that he's trying to manipulate anything. No one's suggested that he's not a great player for Brentford. There's a few shit stirrers out there, and you know they're just. It's just that it is a story. He's one of the most. He's one of the best and most valuable players that we've had in our history. And it, and it, and if he's hinting that he wants to get away, it's obvious that people are going to talk about it. If if you're expecting, if you're expecting people not to talk about that. Then you're you know you're a sycophant.
0: Yeah, it's great to have a squad full of players that want to want to play, rather than people who want to sit on the bench and hide away. It's I, I echo you, Dave. There's so much love for Judgy. There's, interestingly enough, you know, when you talk to people about the window, about who they think should go out on loan and sort of sharpen up, it's, it's McEachran seems to be seems to be nominated the most by most people. But it, 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 it's it, it's a, it's almost like we're becoming victims the system at Brentford. is We're becoming victims of our own success. Now we've got players like Marcondes and Malpay and Judge who will have to have to like really take their chances. And that is a great position. Like you compare that to five years ago. This is this is unreal. we you know people will say, oh yeah, you know, it's we're still not in the playoffs. But we we have some great players who can't even get in the starting eleven.
4: The only people that have got a bad way word to say about Judgy are the people that are desperately looking for one. They they, they don't they don't really exist, you know. Every, he's the he's the go, he's the guy that scored the goal that sent us up. He, he, his place in Brentford history is absolutely enshrined, you know. No, no one no one's trying to no one's trying to stitch him up. But if you know if, if you speak to the Times or the Sunday Times and that 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 appears in the national newspapers, everyone's entitled to I mean, de- deconstruct it.
5: I'm, I'm I, I'm, I agree with you, and I've got a little disagreement with you, Dave. Which is that I think that obviously, yeah, the goal against Preston, all that is uh, very hard work, and his his, his return in the um, FA Cup, I thought he looked fit as a butcher's dog. He was really excellent, whatever else. But if you look at the stats, I think you know we remember when he was the one-man team for Brentford, and now we're an eleven-man team, and I can see perhaps why. Dean is struggling to see where he fits into the team. And there was a, a Celtic supporter who put on Twitter yesterday that they were, he had heard that they were interested. And, and maybe, I don't know, I, I, I read that it. maybe it's best that he does go out alone for six months, we put him in a shot window, and we get our value for him that we rightly, I think, are entitled to given how much we've helped him. But I can't see where he's going to come back into the team is he going to be ahead of Watkins who's who's young uh, you know the the EFL player of the season last season I, I just
2: can't see where he's going to fit into where we are again it depends on what may happen to Vebay. if Vebay goes next week you might get Watkins coming into the middle you might get somebody you know having to go out wide you know it, it all depends on what happens in the next seven days are you saying Vibay's leaving, Billy, is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying Vibay's leaving, but he does know he's not signed a new contract yet, and if he hasn't signed a new contract, we, we, we have to put all these things up in the air. No, of course, but I'm
5: talking about where we are today. I mean, there's ifs, buts and maybes, and the only people that know the ifs, buts and maybes are the people that we trust to run this club, but I've, I, I've got no issues with the way that Phil Ravs and the matter running this, this club. I mean, I, whatever decision they do, I'm, I'm 100% behind, but if we look at the however many players we have today I mean look Billy we have a we played what is it six or seven first teamers and a B team because they can't get a, a game a smash ready in 9-1 that's how an embarrassment of is that we have at the moment with all these players coming back from injury looking for a place in a squad it's very tough I think for a Judge to find a a, a settled starting position
2: and, and I'm just coming back to this because you're talking about the people that run the club, people that you've got a lot of faith in. And you, because it's to you, the banana, you are the admin of the GPG, the Griffin Park Grapevine. If anyone wants been on there, it's the Brentford Forum. You can go on there. You can discuss all sorts of things with different characters about the team and match reports and gossip and they talk about cheese and all sorts of stuff on there as well. But also you have been, you've set up something which you've been trying to set up for a, for a number of, well, for, for, for about a couple of years actually now as well. You've actually got a, a Matthew Benham interview coming round about just probably just before stroke, just after the transfer window closes. Is that correct? No, that's not correct at all, Billy. Oh,
5: right. well, <laughs> tell us. No, I, I mean, as, as you know, um, uh, there, this has been a long time in the making. We, we, we work very hard at these things, as I know you have as well, Billy and, and, and Dave. Um, I think we were the. Uh, the first interview that Matthew gave was 12 years ago when he wasn't a mystery Investor and he sort of come out and gave all of his Brentford credentials, told him about who his favourite players were, who were the about the 4-4 draw at Darlington and, you know, so that was a really informative interview and then eight years later, four years ago, we, he did that uh, Q&A with, 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 with GPG's on the, um, uh, whereby he locked, actually logged in and talked about Things like you know the FFP about the relationship with Mitterland, how he's called Matt the Cat, what his life was like at Oxford University, what his least favourite um, championship team was, his favourite cheese, about the Markello penalty, how close he was to sacking Rosler, and you know this this is this is a you know, this only he's only given ever two interviews, one to us and one, and one to you, Billy. This is rocking horse, Spignor. And you know this opportunity for Brentford supporters really to ask what they want to ask Matthew about the future of the club, maybe how he let Andy Scott slipped through our fingers for the third time, that 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 sort of that sort of stuff, you know. And and and, and, and Billy Dave, you will know that um, he's a very well, when you meet him, he's a very unassuming guy. He's a very open guy. He's there. He he he'd happily ask any questions that don't obviously reveal the, um, inner, inner the, the, the the inner work as a smart odds or how much he, he, he loves uh, certain players or hates certain players, but I'm talking about the players now, um, yeah, but he, 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 he's, he's, he's quite open when you get and talk with him so it's an opportunity and the last time but we we'll probably have an opportunity to talk to him before he's in the Premier League and know that Billy no. I don't know that. You know. no. Hang on, hang on. I don't know that, you know, right? Anything you've read about Matthew Benham, you either comes from our, you know, the GPG interview we've done or the B Sorted interview that you've done. But I was amazed to read that one of the potential questions we have got from Matthew from a GPG is apparently Matthew decided to become a football statistician. And a multi-multi-multi-millionaire when he was feeding ducks at Marlow. I've never heard that story. But that's that's one that we want to go and put to Matthew when uh, we meet him in a, a couple of weeks' time. And we're meeting him after the transfer window because then it's all the dust is settled and we could talk about how we move forwards rather than what might happen tomorrow, etc. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a good opportunity for anybody to ask. And, and Billy, Dave, you know how, how rare this stuff is and how good Matthew is to everybody. And very, very pleased we've made it happen after uh, 12 years. Which
2: is, which is all good and, 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 you, and you're right as well. It's interesting because I, I did a podcast one time with Mihir Bose as well. I was, I was on the Whistleblowers podcast with Mihir Bose which you know he writes for The Standard. I think he used to write for The Observer and The, and, and the Guardian beforehand as well. Big, big, big time... Um, I'm a journalist and he actually asked me he said to me Look, you know, Matthew Benham um, can you get us an interview with, with Matthew Benham as well and because at the time I said to him we've interviewed him as Besotted the podcast and also GPG so like I said to you he keeps things close to his chest if you haven't checked it out if you just google Matthew Benham Besotted as well you will be able to check out both our interview with Matt Benham as well, and also the GPG interview which we put on there. We've credited the GPG. We put a link to the GPG as well, but you've been there. <laughs> <laughs> under, under pressure, under pressure,
4: yeah, we did that as well. Apparently, it's all right to support Matthew Benham now because uh, it was, about a year or two years ago, apparently, it was like you're really, really anti brenford to, to support
2: your owner. Anyway, now listen, it's right. then we'll move on anyway. But listen, we'll move okay. on because this is okay, all just, good. Just, 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 just Pos- We've got a lot of positive vibes happening around the club at the moment. And we need to keep it all positive because we are doing remarkably well. At the end of the day, five wins out of six, or is it six wins out of seven? I can never remember. Seven wins out of eight? Five or t- out of six. Yeah, 12 wins out of 13. It's absolutely brilliant. 74% at the moment now. So listen, we stick together because we are doing absolute business. Banana.
5: I, I, I just want to say, you know, I, I'm very, very pleased with what we're doing at GPG in terms of serious interviews. Um, we did an interview with Dean Smith in summer, which I, which I think was, was a really, really good, insightful interview into how the club works and whatever else. How it works at Matthew. So, on the GPG, it's there, Griffinpark.org or something. Log in We tried to get an interview with Alan Judge, but you know, we, we had to settle for Dean Smith and.
2: We're happy with that. Now, which is all good as well. And just coming back to that, we'll check it out in a couple of weeks' time with the Griffin Park Grapevine. A couple of things happening with the... We've already talked about Alan Judge and the team, and like I said to you, we actually look forward, because I'm actually very excited, because Alan Judge, as part of the team, we move forward as like we wanted to do three years ago, and we've got firepower in our banks, like we did three, you know, three years ago, which we really wanted. But three years ago, eventually, we went into sort of March and, and, and April with Harley Dean as, as, as a forward you know what I'm saying trying to get into the playoffs and that isn't where we want to be we've got firepower in reserve at the moment now and with Alan Judge as being part of that firepower if we can bring him in in two or three or five or six weeks time to fire us on to the playoffs that's going to be really really exciting and what I will say about Alan Judge is
4: we were there at Portman Road when he had his horrific leg break we cheered him off we we cheered him for his recovery, we cheered him back on against Notts County, and we will carry on cheering him all the time he wants to pull in a red and white striped shirt for Brentford.
0: Oh, just, just to play devil's advocate, if, if Alan Judge wants to go for big money in the summer and do us a favour and, and him a favour, then maybe we should be backing anything he says in the press and you know and, 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 and patting his agent on the back, rather than having Peter off in the background. You know, maybe he deserves that one big move, and maybe this this could be part of it. It's all about timing.
2: And let's all listen as well. Talking about timing, talking about people down at Griffin Park. We talked last week that Eddie Howe was at Griffin Park, and we talked about you know who's going to be watching. We said is it Vie is it uh, Ollie Watkins, and we actually suggested that if he was very clever, he'd be watching Chris Meppham, because at the end of the day, is that Chris Meppham is below the radar, but he's a very good player. Boom, it's popped up in the press this week that Eddie Howe was uh, checking out Chris Meppham. Whether or not that's true or not, we don't know, but that's quite interesting. You know, we've had that story that's actually sort of going on as well. And talk about Chris Meppham, because he's come from the B team. The B team had two games this week, one against Reading. Reading, uh, on Sunday we played Reading and we whooped their ass. to be them, fair. We, we played them every day this week, and we? Yeah, we, we played them pretty much every day this week. And uh, we actually, to be fair, what we did is that when we played them on Saturday, we said to them, can we play you every week? And they said, you yeah, all right then? Play us every day. <laughs> and we said, play them every day. So we played them on the Sunday, um, as Craig David said, and we played them on the Monday and then the Tuesday and then, then the Wednesday. We
4: were making love by Thursday. That's right.
2: <laughs> but um, we beat them 9-1. And to be, and to be fair, it was a sort of a bit of an A minus team on Thursday, wasn't it? It was a very very strong
4: Brentford team on Sunday. If I'm honest with you, night. You know, you got Macondes, you got. Judge, he scored two goals. You got and Alan George scored Judge the goal, scored a goal. Scored the goal that sent us. McLeod the McLeod got a couple. Tom Field and um, the other one. Yeah, the other one. The other one. Uh, the, the, the other one three, that three, played Westbrook. Yeah, one that was in EastEnders.
2: So, so we, we did very well against them on Reading on Sunday, and that was at Westbrook. that was at our place. and We played um, Reading again tonight. When did we play them then? We played them today uh, at, our, at their place. Is that the one that was played earlier, this, before lunch or after lunch? It was played around about lunchtime, and we we didn't do quite as well, did we? Uh, we lost, apparently. We lost three-two. We, we okay. Aggreg- aggregate though, aggregate bill. <laughs> yeah, the, the aggregate score was uh, twelve or seventy-four percent. Seventy-four percent.
5: Did they get their own back by fielding their first team?
2: <laughs> they, they, they probably did, and that's why the score was still still quite close. Quite close. You know saying <laughs> they almost fluffed it. We missed the penalty as well. You know, so, anyway, uh, so what we deduce is Reading is shit. Reading Reading still a little bit of work to be done, to be fair, as well. So also <laughs> like I said to you, just quickly talking about away games. I mean we talk about Reading and the B team away let's talk about our first team as well, right? Trains to Derby. We've all booked our trains to Derby, but if you want A little bit of a trick. We've just done this on the Besotted camp. Uh, The trains directly to Derby might be a little bit dear, but try going via Birmingham. You might get it cheaper. Going up via Birmingham and then getting a train from Birmingham to Derby doesn't take that much more. And you can actually probably get a fare for, I don't know, pretty cheap. You might be able to get a cheap fare for, I don't know, five or six quid up to Birmingham, and then you get another chair for about eight quid. You could save probably up to about 15 or 20 quid actually going that way, if you do it the right way. So have a look at that as well. And also Sunderland. We've booked up to Sunderland, but the Sotted crew, just remember this, besotted1992 at gmail.com, we've actually got a spare ticket on the 5.29 from Sunderland back to London. Just email us if you're interested in getting that ticket, we've just got one ticket, it's only one way at the moment now you have to get up there as well, but it's a decent ticket, just come back to us and see what you're going to do about that as well.
4: You're like the Simon Calder of the the Brentford away, you're like the independence travel advisor. I do, I just spend my whole time trying to find
2: the cheapest tickets to go anywhere.
5: Did you say you were trying to sell spare tickets? You are trying to sell spare tickets, Billy, uh, because I think that's illegal. But however, I am looking...
2: No, 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 no. I'm, I said I was going to give them away. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> As
5: I learnt at Southampton, it's still illegal. Um, I, I am looking, however, for a first-class return flight on Concorde from Heathrow to uh, Newcastle Airport. If there's one going.
2: On, Conc- on Concorde, yeah. That's right. So listen, other than that, there's just a few other things in the football village that we wanted to talk about. Um, the Leeds badge. Now, there's apparently there's a new Leeds badge that's, that's been launched today, and one thing I did notice, it didn't have six legs, did it? <laughs> it didn't have six legs. It had one arm and a, a,
4: a proper forearm. Um, I have to say, and, and I, this is, I speak from my heart here, thank God whoever made the decision about the Brentford badge made those decisions because I have to say the, 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 the lead situation is turned into a farce you know w- w- the, the, the worst that happened at Brentford's like there were there weren't six legs there were or, yeah there was two legs missing there were alternatives that I thought personally design wise were better but you know there was none of this nonsense Leeds have become a, a national like, source of ridicule this last 12 hours um, it's, it's a racist badge basically
0: yeah, I, I love it, long live the new Leeds badge no, I, I don't this, 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 this smacks, this, this is what breeds distrust, you know, in old football, new football when a, when a club like Leeds, clubs like Leeds you know, these big clubs and they get told that there's been a consultation and 10,000 fans to fans have decided that to represent their part of the world their club, everything they've done is, is to have someone's arm in a polo shirt like, like stood like they're celebrating a Chilean anthem at a World Cup, you know. I, I get that things have to be simple for pixels and stuff, but it, 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 I do not know where where the Leeds board are, are signing that off, thinking it's a good idea. And I I, 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 know football football badges are getting getting simpler now because they have to appeal to the whole world. They have to be bilingual. They have to be internet friendly. But this is a joke. I, I do not thought I'd say this, but I, I'm with the bloody Leeds fans on this.
5: I, I I can't having I mean, having visited Miss Hammersham's house opposite the Peacock or whatever. I can't get vexed about their badge. I think it's hilarious. But um, reading the press release, it was like Simon Chase of the had had written it. Uh, um, Simon Chase, as you know, was the enthusiast um, the enthusiastic GPG who was here today and gone tomorrow that was very enthusiastic about the Brentford badge. Um, however, I'm not sure how you can call it racist, Dave. I know he had a wise arm there, and I'm I'm going to slightly pull you up on it. But I would, but if I was if I was Leeds, I would have probably avoided that whole situation. It's clearly
0: an ode to to Tiger Tim Henman, fist bumping (laughs) when 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 he's.
5: And I think that shows a lack of judgment by by Leeds to you know in, in in our modern times. With a modern society, with a multicultural society, you know, it it, it should have been, they should have been more clear about that. Um, And I don't believe they consulted 10,000 people apart from putting it on a website and CC and get 10,000 hits.
4: I'm I'm, I'm surprised you've not called it the
2: Fulhamisation of Leeds. There was no clappers. And talking about Fulham, I'm talking about as well, because tomorrow, I'm actually going to be going down to, as as I do every uh, every 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 four months or so, or six months ago, myself and Bias. We go down to New Scotland Yard to talk to the police. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going down to New Scotland Yard. We're going to be talking about things like we were talking about allocation. We'll be talking about making sure that we go to Fulham um, and it's okay when we play QPR. All the fans are going to be okay, but which is which is very. It's really, it's really quite interesting going down there. It's really funny. It's like I said, two sides of the table is like the football fans on one side of the table and the police all on the other side of the table. And it's. Uh, They've they got blue flashing lights. Yeah, that's right, that's right. We all get sort of carted out every sort of five minutes and then uh, sort of oh, eventually, sort of, you know, there's 20 of us and there's 10 of us and there's five and by the end it's like the last man the two, standing. just the two of you grassing. Yeah, that's right.
5: Yeah, I, 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 know that, I know you talked about this last week, Billy, about flasks and things you weren't allowed to take into the um, ground, like wild horses and stuff. But I understand, um, I, I hear through the grapevine, not literally, that flasks may have got a reprieve. So um, good news there from for uh, those supporters aged over 90.
2: Excellent. So, yeah, flasks can be, can be brought into the ground and slattery is going to be absolutely light. And last little note we're going to say on this as well um, we're just going to take it a little bit more international because there's a little bit of activity happening today I mean i go to a lot of England gazers as everyone knows here Um, 12 tournaments whatever it may be but this UEFA Nations League is even beyond me I have got no idea what's going on but the Lord Lucan who has had a couple of days of leisure has actually had to sit down and get his encyclopedia out and understand what's going on and you were watching things today and you sort of know what's going on what's going on with this UEFA UEFA what's it Nations League yeah Yeah, I'm currently unemployed sat on my sofa and even
0: watching the draw felt like a waste of time yeah yeah I've already had four arguments today about how it works um, I think, it, as a Brentford fan, all we need to care about is with the draw of Denmark, Wales and Ireland, we could have Mepham, Judge, Egan, Bieland, Dalsgaard, Marcondes and Vibe all in direct competition. How many injuries have we got, we've got going there? Um, yeah, it, it looks like it's going to revitalise the, friend, the friendlies. Um, if you keep playing your friendlies in a soulless uh, Reading-esque Wembley, then yeah, then I'm not sure how much atmosphere you're going to garner. But yeah, yeah, it's a good, good draw for the good draw for the home nations. They say a lot of lively games.
5: A completely meaningless competition with no prize money that gets you nothing. Stops England having friendlies with Brazil or Senegal or whatever else. However, it's a competition. It's a competition. that Wales might win. In that case, I'm in.
2: And you just reminded me as well—the banana everyone like that with this thing. I need to put in my application for um, Russia, for the World Cup. I need to put my application in because it needs to be in the next four or five days. I think it is. From Russia with love. Bill. Yeah, with Russia with love. I'll be absolutely lovely in Russia.
5: Actually, an interesting thing about Nations Cup is pitted Wales with with Mepum against the Republic of Ireland with um, Judge Egan and, and Judge. Egan and Judge against Denmark. Their other nineteen teammates. So it's going to be an interesting... It might be an interesting inter intra-Brentford intra, intra Brentford competition.
4: Anyway, so Billy, Billy's going to die in Russia. So if you would like to please send yeah, we'll, flowers... We'll, we'll, if you send flowers the to the Sun and already. the 13 uh, Cantons... We'll, we'll have the minutes of
0: applause. <laughs> at the opening game against Forest Green at Lionel Roads. Yeah, yeah, that would be... How many
5: minutes will it be there? After how many minutes will it be there? Like? I don't know. How, uh,
0: yeah, how, 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 how old do you want to be reported in the press? You
5: just
2: clap, clap, clap on me on the 74th minute, because the 74th percent, you know what I'm saying. But anyway, listen, we all were on because we had a, a social, the December social we had, and we had Bob Taylor at the December social. It was at the Fuller's Brewery. It was absolutely wicked. We loved it. And it was funny and it was great. But what he did, Bob Taylor, he actually talked about his final days at Wolves, where he felt he was treated very badly by, ironically, Jez Moxie, who is now manager of Norwich City, who we are going to be talking about in a little bit. So let's listen to what Bob Taylor had to say about his treatment
6: at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Just for family reasons, I won't go into that, because my partner's here and she'll kill me. Um, <laughs> not not, not to do to, to her, to, to me ex. Um, I had to leave Man City, uh, which is due to her, not me. Um, and she wanted to come back further south and I didn't want to leave Man City because I was playing every week you know, you don't want to give up something playing the premiership do you but I had a phone call for Joe Rawls said I'd had my ex-wife in the office talking to him saying she's unhappy about being up north and she wants to move further south so he turned around and said to me if we get an offer in few for, for what we pay for you we'll let you go within three hours they got an offer from Wolves and about another ten other clubs and I didn't want to leave and I especially didn't want to go to Wolves and I ended up going to bloody wolves. <laughs> right, got railroaded into that one. But then the injuries occurred, and I played about eight games in two and a half years. And there was some things said about me there, and saying um, they released me, but I cancelled my own contract. I phoned up, and this is the truth I phoned up Jess Moxey, who was a chief executive at the time, who was a total. Allegedly. <laughs> 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 a fat CEO. See- here once there's uh, some w- women here yeah, it's Friday he's a
2: <laughs>
6: right yeah so- sorry ma'am sorry ma'am
4: there's no witnesses here yeah
6: she's a she's a too um, everyone's a <laughs> um, it's Friday everyone's a <laughs> um, even Santa's a <laughs> never brings well one for Christmas Um and I had a lot of injuries. I found up Jez Moxie and said, on the last transfer deadline day in March, I remember it rightly, 2003, I turned around and said to him, I ain't coming back. This is half past four. It's normally five o'clock on transfer deadline day. Everything deals had to be done by, didn't they? On the last Thursday of the month. And I turned around and said, I ain't coming back. He said, What do you mean? I said, I ain't coming back to your club. I had operations on my calves and my gallbladder removed, and it took them 15 months to sort them two out. Right? And I didn't even play a game within that 15 months. And I was in pain with my gallbladder for seven months. And I was—I lost four and a half stone in weight, and they couldn't work out why. Right? So I turned around my local doctor, my family doctor, which I shouldn't do—you have to stay with your club's doctor. I turned around and said to him, "I said, look, this is a joke." and He goes, "Bloody hell! Look at the state of you. You know, I was grey, flipping—you know—lost my hair." Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, how I feel it. Yeah. You know, how I feel it. Yeah. We feel it. you feel a me. you feel feeling me. you feel feeling me. Axe, <laughs> there's a few in here feeling me. Not <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, So, and I, I, I got five a week's wages for that, right? Going to my local doctor. Anyway, he booked me in for an ultrasound scan done. He had found me uh, gallbl- gallstones, gallbladder problem, and he said, You're going in tonight for operation because you could die tomorrow. That's how bad it was. I went to sue wolves, and then I got told not to. Right. I got told not to the same with my, um, my calves uh, blood flow was poor and that was affecting my heartbeat and it took them six months to, to, to get an operation on that as well, so I went to see them and that was it, so I phoned up James Boyd and said I'm not coming back so he'd done me a deal on the money side of it and I, he said why, why are you leaving? I said because you're paying me for not playing for one and I said and plus I've been treated like a twat and that was me finished, done so people were saying, Oh, he got released from the club because they didn't want him, a load of rubbish. I was going in for six months into the gym on my own and didn't see a physio in six months. Not one physio. That's how bad it was there. Me and Andy Sinton, you know Andy Sinton used to play here, England. He was doing the exact same thing, never spoke to him at all, neither. So we go in the physio's in the gym, sorry, first thing in the morning at half past nine, I'll be home by eleven. Didn't even notice you were there. Didn't even bother you. Didn't bother. So that's when done, finished, career over. So there you go. Sorry about your question. <laughs> <laughs> Went on a bit long, sorry.
2: So, Bob Taylor there, he's talking about his time at Brentford. If you just check it out on besotted.com, you go to podcast, click on there, and you'll see the Bob Taylor Christmas social podcast as well. Really interesting. Really funny, really wicked guy as well. And if you listen to him, he talks about his time at Brentford, talks about his time at Man City, and he also talks about his time at Wolves, he talks about there where he has felt he was very badly treated by Jez Moxie, who is now, ironically, the CEO of Norwich City, who we're playing on Saturday. And like I said to you, talk about socials, because we had a social at Christmas time, we have another social on Friday the 4th of May in Ealing. This is a wicked social. I tell you, it goes on all night. Last one was absolutely teething tremendous, as we say. And um, we haven't announced the person I spoke to today. And he's definitely in. He's up for it. It's going to be a brilliant, brilliant lineup. Trust me, you'll really want to go to that. So we're just building them up from now. But if it's anything like last year, we had the DJ and the comedians and the magician and musicians and all sorts of stuff that was going on and food and drink you need to want to get in there just get a ticket because trust me it's going to be very very good the early bird tickets if I can actually <laughs> create a ticket at 3 o'clock in the morning which will be should be on sale by the end of play on Thursday evening over for the early bird tickets that's going to be going out to the characters who have been to previous socials you will get a little note there saying you could buy the early early bird tickets from that one as well and then when we get that then we'll get it into play for the people from the social club members we'll mail you out if you've got any more tickets available from that we'll mail it out to you from that and then we'll go on to general sale very very quickly as well but just look out for the end of Cecil social put in your know, diary we, Friday not, the 4th of May we're not announcing the, um, the guest yet no we're not announcing the guest as yet no we're not going to buy. are going to are you sure. Yeah. Now we're not going to announce the We're going to. We're not going to announce a guest. We're going to sell some tickets because at the end of the day, is that you know all the events that we've done so far have been wicked. No no, no, no. I hear that, but what if you don't buy a ticket early? What?
4: you're going to regret it aren't you Uh,
2: you know at the end
4: of the day people will want to go to this do our
2: dudes are always good no matter who's there but this this guest is on a different level isn't it it's cool but we still need to build from that which is all good so like I said to you we're getting our tickets get your tickets early on this one we're going to have it on sale hopefully by end of play on Thursday get that for the besotted end of season social on Friday the 4th of May So on Saturday, we have Norwich City coming to town. We thought, let's talk to somebody who knows everything about Norwich. We're going to go to the Little Yellowbird Project. We're going to talk to Claire. We had her on a month ago, but we've got her back again because the knowledge is too grand. Claire, from the Little Yellowbird Norwich, is going to tell us all about what's going on in Norwich City.
3: So Saturday, we have Norwich City down at Griffin Park. It's going to be the month since we played them last and i wonder if a lot of things have changed in that month a lot of things have changed for brentford because it's the start of an absolutely fantastic run for us but to find out what has gone and what has changed in norwich we to speak to claire from the norwich blog the little yellow bird project claire how are you doing
8: hi i'm good thank you speak again so, so soon
3: that's right i know i know it's just kind of like almost like groundhog day isn't it like you it know is. Yeah. As we say, could we play you every week, yeah?
8: <laughs> oh uh,
3: so listen quite a lot's happened since we last played. I mean the game at Carrot Road, I mean it's sort of the beginning <laughs> of a fantastic run for Brentford. We won five of the last six of our matches. Um or maybe maybe I said we won you know we won all six of our matches, you know, because uh, we lost to Wolves and that does not really count. But I um, no. think that was a fair result up there.
8: Uh, Norwich, oh yeah, definitely. You deserve to win that game. We were Absolutely terrible that game. So totally deserved.
3: I mean, I mean, just talk. I mean, just talk us through that game a little bit. I mean, I think it was you know it was tight to a certain extent, but um, we sort of kind of hit you with a couple of killer blows, didn't
8: we? Yeah. To be honest, I kind of erased it from my memory now. <laughs> it was too painful. <laughs> <laughs> we went on a good run after that, so I've forgotten Brentford now. Yeah.
3: So I mean, that's, and, and like I said to you, I mean, for us, I mean, that, that was great. As I said, the beginning of a decent run for us. But um, since then. I mean, I would say the highlight of uh, since we've met was actually the fact that you've actually played Chelsea twice and yeah. they haven't actually beaten you in, in normal time or even in extra time over that period, have they?
8: No, no. Um, we had some fantastic games against them. We played really, really well, but ultimately we still came away with nothing. And unfortunately, last week's game, going to extra time and penalties, all that extra energy that we spent really kind of cost us against Sheffield United at the weekend. So hopefully we've regrouped and got some energy back in the bank for the game against Brentford on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I mean, again, it must be, I mean, we, hope that we lose out on penalties and going so fast as yeah. well and stuff like that, we know about losing, it must be quite gutting to sort of, to be so near, but yeah. yet so far.
8: Definitely, especially we sort of came, came back with that last minute equaliser in normal time and we thought, right, here we go and you could see in the extra time the players were absolutely just giving everything, but they they didn't have much left to give, but they they stuck at it and got it to penalties. And we all thought, right, great, we've got a team full of Germans. We're going to win the penalty shootout. But it turned out that not one of the Germans actually took a penalty. And, you know, it was it was, it was gutting because the penalty that um, Oliveira had saved was actually a decent penalty, but it was a good save. And that was all that... that uh, sort of differentiated us between us and Chelsea but there we go that's football
3: yeah so I mean going back to the league though I mean you you know since we've played you've beaten Birmingham City you've beaten Bristol City a good result you've beaten Millwall yeah. um, yeah. you've drawn to Boyd Burton and you've lost to the Blazers you talked about on Saturday so I mean yeah. what's,
8: what's been the improvement um, not sure really I think the Brentford loss actually gave us a bit of a kick up the bum as it were and then um, we regrouped and yeah we had we had to win against uh, birmingham um because you know they're not doing so well and and we did we did beat them and that kind of kicked us on we the burton draw wasn't great. he made a lot of changes to that game, which didn't go down too well with the fans and there was a lot of anger about that because we thought we would be able to beat them, but he made i think nine changes for that game, but then we went on and beat millwall a couple of days later, so it was all forgotten and then we had a great victory at uh, Bristol City but yeah a bit of a sort of back step last weekend against Shefford United, but hopefully we can keep a little bit of momentum going, but we'll see.
3: Yeah, and and this is the time of the year which we get very, very nervous about every yeah. January. You know, if we have a half decent season, we always get teams coming sort of kind of like pilfer from the yeah. from the Brentford camps. Scott Hogan went last year. We had James Park He went up with it a couple of years ago. Um and you know now there's like loads of rumors slipping around about on, um Latte Vive for a start. Yeah. He's obviously, he scored a lot of goals for us, so they're talking about him possibly because he hasn't signed the contract to the end of the season. Andreas Bieland hasn't signed the contract as well. You know, there's Ryan Woods, loads of rumours flying around about him. Even mm. Eddie Howe apparently was down last week, and we had it on our podcast last week. And we felt that he bet you he's watching Chris Meckham as opposed to all sort of the big name players, like this young player who actually he started a little run of games against you. He, he, hasn't even for him. Yeah. he hasn't even played a dozen games as yet for Brentford, but he's actually sort of. <laughs> causing a load oh, of waves. Sort of uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just wondering from your point of view, there's been a lot of transfer activity or sort of rumours swung around, haven't there?
8: Well, <laughs> we need some. I mean, we've lost um, Pritchard, obviously. That was disappointing, although kind of inevitable. Um, Jerome's gone. We've sent a couple out on loan. So we've actually sort of lost four players and so far brought none in. We bought one player from Aberdeen, Kenny McLean, but we've immediately given him back to Aberdeen on loan, so we don't actually have any physical players that have joined Norwich so far in the Chancellor window. So we're getting a bit short and a little bit concerned, but there's a few names flying around, but yeah, we'll that's, see.
3: That's I mean, Sam Field, um, the West Brom midfielder, we have a few teams that are sniffing around him for what together, can gather. And also, there's a German as well, Dennis Sperney, is it? Oh, Sperney? Yeah. Born, you know? <laughs> Which is oh. the, the German links again, which is, you know, obviously you've got a German yeah. manager.
8: Well apparently so, um... he used to he used to play for that team, so there's ah. a link there. But ah, yeah. Okay. I mean we've we've done all right picking some German players out of the sort of lower German tiers so far. Christoph Zimmermann, our central defender, came from there there and he's done amazingly well. So I think that's the level we're at now. We've got to find the sort of cheaper Players from abroad, rather than sort of big name signings that we got used to for a couple of years when we were in the Premier League. But mm. yeah, and talk about
3: cheaper players as well because there's a player called Reese go who plays for a team who I sometimes I, I go down and watch as Dulwich Hamlet as well. He scored 17 goals in 16 games as well and apparently you put in a derisory bid for him. I don't know if you heard about that at all. I
8: haven't, no, <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. so health. apparently, apparently
3: um, um, Gavin Rose, the manager of Dallas, said that you put in a derisory bid for him. Derisory. Uh, he was actually at Brentford in the summer. Um, he did a week down at Brentford uh, in the summer, but we didn't take him on. Went on to Dulwich Hamlet. He scored 17 goals in 16 games. So uh, a lot of people are stepping around him at the moment. Whether or not he'll come to Championship level or go to Scotland yeah. or end up in Division Two, I don't know. But there, you know, there you go. All a bit of gossip and rumour, as, as we say <laughs> in, the, in the Besotted podcast. Like, you know?
8: I hate, I hate the transfer window. Until they're actually signed, I just try and pay no attention to all the rumours because they're yeah. ultimately frustrating. So yeah, yeah, it's when, And when we talk about this a lot.
3: We just See why, why, why is the transfer window a month? It might as well have been like, three or four days because of it yeah. only happens towards the back end anyway. You know? yeah. Yeah. So it's just some good. But listen, I mean, I know you're coming down to Brentford on Saturday. Have you got any plans for your trip to Brentford?
8: Um, no, not really. It'd be nice for me to actually have a nice home game because I live in south-west London, so... I can uh, have a nice lay-in in in the morning. I haven't actually got my ticket through the post yet because there's some delay in sending them out, according to everyone at Norwich. So hopefully I will actually have a ticket and be able to arrive there okay. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it though.
3: Yeah, it should be all good as well. And like I said, we normally do a little pub guide. It's going to be in the match preview, which comes out normally probably on Friday morning. So you check that out. We've got a massive pub guide. It's not only one or two pubs with the four pubs in the corner. There's about probably 20 odd pubs in Brentford that you can go to. So you check that out as well. But I'll um, tell you something. I mean, obviously, we played you a few weeks ago. So you've got more idea of how Brentford set themselves up.
8: Mm. And
3: uh, I'm just wondering, how do you think Norwich will equip themselves for a trip? to Griffin Park.
8: Well, hopefully they learnt some lessons from playing them only a few weeks ago and they'll address those. Um, Yeah, we've been playing okay. Um, We we tiredness beat us on Saturday, so I think we'd we'd probably be a slightly better Norwich team than you saw a few weeks ago, so fingers crossed.
3: Is there anybody that we should be worried about?
8: Well, obviously Madison. He's our starlet, if we've still got him. Obviously there's a few clubs interested in Stealing him as well, but we need to keep hold of him. Um, yeah, we've got a new uh, new left back, um, Jamal Lewis, who's absolutely sensational. He's only young and he's only played a few games, but he's he's real fine. So he's he's one to watch as well.
3: He came on actually. He came on the Brentford game about seventy-five minutes, so I remember rightly. Or was it the yeah, second
8: he's, half? he's played yeah. every game since then, and he's been an absolute revelation. So yeah, he's he's yeah. one for the future definitely.
3: And is there any players that you're worried about for Brentford? I'm just worried.
8: Well, Vibay, obviously, I think, is one to be worried about. He seems to score all the time. So, yeah, definitely him. Okay. All right, so,
3: listen, coming down to Griffin Park on Saturday, give us a score Mm -hmm. prediction.
8: Oh, I hate these. Um, I think it'll be a draw. I'll go one-all.
3: One-all, all all right, clear, wicked. Okay, clear. clear. Claire from the Norwich blog, The Little Yellow Bird Project. Listen, good luck. Enjoy your short trip down the Griffin Park (laughs) on Saturday. It's going to take you about half an hour to get down there, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, lovely. Unlike unlike the rest of the Norwich fans. Then listen, we'll catch up for you for a bit before the game.
8: Cool. See you then.
2: So still rock and roll here in the Sun and 13 Cantons, which apparently has got something to do with Luxembourg, it's got something to do with Liechtenstein, it's got something to do with all sorts of places in the middle of Europe. Basically, that, 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 uh,
0: under de Kalsen, that was going to be the business plan. We signed 13 players from 13 Cantons.
2: And it didn't quite work, didn't work is, out.
0: How was Kirchbaum doing? Let's, let's do a transfer update on that.
2: Does anyone know? I haven't heard of no, the latest no, no, from uh, no. Kirschbaumer. Missing in action. Missing in action. Let's go. Oh, so? you know, well. Fame. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> anyway, we did some curveball there. Just coming yeah, yeah. back to the Norwich game. We've got the Norwich game on Saturday. Like I said to you, uh, rock and roll, sun and thirteen cantons. But we spoke to Claire, and Claire was, yeah, she said that she forgot about the game at Brentford because that one, you know, we gave a right good tonking. But however. They've come back they've, they've taken Chelsea To extra time they, they, Chelsea haven't beaten them In normal time Or even extra time uh, Well this we year did, Basically well, and, and
0: neither of Arsenal
2: yeah. in, the, in the Cup as well In the League Cup They're That's right sort of, That's right So they, they, they seem to be A bit of a Cup team So um, dep- depends on whether Or not Norwich See Brentford as a Cup tie We had a good night
4: Didn't we in Norwich we, it was pre Christmas, it was a Friday before Christmas. Christmas was on the Monday, was it? Friday. Sunday? Friday. We were the, we were there on the Friday. We had a we had a bit of a knees up, didn't
2: we? We, you had, me? A, we had a knees up, i will tell you it was knees up Mother Brown um as well. Bees we, up we, Fulham Down. That's
4: right, it
2: was bees up Fulham Down as well. We um it was good yeah, We went to Norwich, we uh Brentford played well pretty pretty well. We came up and uh, struck with a killer blow. Two, one. Two one, struck him with a killer blow as well, and uh, that was the beginning of our run. That's also when Mepham actually went back into the side, and he he, 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 he didn't he didn't he didn't dislodge himself. He put himself in the side because it was like uh, Egan um, was out injured, and he got himself decided, that we, and he hasn't looked back since as well. So Brentford, very very good game against Norwich again, and it was the beginning of, like I said to you. Uh, six out of seven or five out of six or whatever it may be. You know, I like six out of seven. It sounds a lot better. Um, but listen, Norwich City, to be fair, they have flipped the script since they played us. Like I said, they've uh, they've only lost against um, Sheffield United on Saturday at home and they're a bit gutted because they said it's probably the extra time they had against Chelsea. that might have done that as well and nil all against Burn. But other than that, they've won every single game or every single league game since then. So it looks like we might have a little bit of a different... Scenario against Norwich that we did a month ago, Luke. Yeah, yeah, I've got a few Norwich mates uh, for my
0: sins, and they're really happy with the way the sort of teams working and the way the managers got a system going. They're, they'll be down in force on Saturday. They, I, I, I think they they thought they'd be maybe about three or four places higher than they are now. But I, I, and I think this is one of these sort of tests where they're thinking if they can do us. Then they can do anyone in the league. You know they can turn it round. Um, yeah, but I'm confident. I, I you know, I, I think there'll be good. good. There'll be football will, will be the victor regardless of the result. I think there's, there's two cliche. good, two it's cliche cliche. It's a game of two halves. It's a man's game, Philip Neville. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's. I, I, I think it'll be a really good game of football. And um, I'm expecting a win, but they they're, they're expecting to get something definitely.
2: What I think is interesting as well because this is exactly and I keep going about this exactly three years after we played Norwich in the Mark Warburton season and when we went there and we beat them I think again it was 2-1 Pritchard had an absolutely brilliant game um, the Norwich fans turned around and said oh blimey you're one of the best teams that come and see us this season and after that we took off because I think the week afterwards we went to Leeds and we won then the bombshell hit but at that time we started to really believe that we actually might actually be heading for different climbs now like I said to you three years later we're playing Norwich again but the interesting thing about it is that when we went to that Norwich game it was a little bit like oh Brentford are coming who are they bang we beat them they're like oh my god we got beat by Brentford but now Norwich fans interestingly are saying well, we don't really want to play you. We're a little bit nervous. We think it's going to be a bit difficult. It shows how much we've come in in three years.
5: Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree, Billy. And um, if, I think if you look at the um, the Brentford stats again, I think you'll find that Norwich don't score away from home. Um, they're going to come here. They're going to do the old coach parking manoeuvre. And I don't think they're going to come here to, to try and win. So it's, it might be another frustrating game whereby we win... Seventeen <laughs> nil.
2: <laughs> we don't we don't do coach we don't do coach Markie too well though, do we?
4: Don't take anything for granted. They, they they beat us so comprehensively in the League Cup game earlier on the season. Well, you know it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they 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 have got strength and depth. and not on the, on their day if it all clicks. They are a dangerous team. What I what I saw at Carrow Road was uh, a shadow of what they're capable of. I I, I have to say, mate, I'm I. I hope we will win but we can't take it for granted we can't I
5: think, I, I think to your point earlier, Billy um, when we talked about the Norris game and that game a lot of confidence we are now already in that phase whereby the team is extremely confident about what they can do 6 out of 7 haven't lost at home since August blah 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 and we're playing a, a Norris team that's going to come here knowing those stats um, will try and restrict us to long shots and... You know, it might be another frustrating game whereby we end up nil-nil or one-nil to a breakaway goal, but it could easily be a cricket score, in my opinion.
2: So listen, look, look, we've talked about our team a lot. We've talked about, I mean, you know, we, we know we're know going to play. You know, you've got, you've got the Woodsy out there. We, we've seen, we combated them a month ago. So we know exactly what we need to do out there. Norwich are going to come down there. They may park the bus or maybe they may not. I mean, personally, I think they're actually going to come and play football. They've got a couple of players out there that are quite dangerous. They've got that little, uh, little left back, I think it is, who seems to be quite dangerous. He's only a, a young kid as well. But guys, give us... I want you to know oh yeah, yes Canos. Canos is gonna be absolutely yeah, Sergi Canos is gonna be absolutely potty to get a couple of goals on Saturday as well, so we'll see how that goes. But look, going around the table to just find out you guys, what do you think the score prediction is gonna be, Laney? Two one B's. Two one B's the Laney. Um, Lord Lou Can
0: Nine one. Uh, oh no, it's not reading. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, I don't. I, I, Joel, you say this right? I, I bet my mates every season. I bet my Norwich mates. We played Soldier of Fortune this year at a League Cup tie. So the so the loser had to then go. So I went to the Emirates in the fucking Norwich end, and they. I've never seen a team play so Brentford in that in that game. So I, I would say this has this has had an, an amazing nil 0 written all
2: over it. The banana.
5: Um, there's a thread in the GPG where compulsive gambler whips is uh, betted on 3-1 for Brentford to win every game we've won 3-1 twice, he's forgotten to bet on both those occasions he will probably forget to bet on his third occasion and we'll win 3-1 What's this
4: GPG thing he keeps on about?
2: I don't know listen, (laughs) listen GPG, so listen, this is Besotted Pride of Westmont London podcast and uh, listen, we're all chirpy, rock and roll Sun and thirteen candles. You know all about the history of this place. You know about the luck and the unlucky business we've got. You know about Switzerland. You know about bananas. Uh, you know his jacket and, and he wears a suit to matches and all sorts of stuff. We, we know the history of everything that's going on. But we're all happy. We don't care because we're sitting around here as mates. Because Brentford are on a bit of a run at the moment now and fingers crossed it's going to carry on go to iTunes and give us a bit of a tick give us a review tell us that you really like the podcast as well don't forget to go to thebesotted.com as well because we're going to have the tickets for the Besotted Social up very soon we're going to go out to the Besotted uh, club members, first of all, and we've got the um, rather big news. When, when can we announce the big we news? Can't announce the big news until we've got the email. But like I said to you as well, oh, the old yeah. email. The old email. But you'll be hearing a little bit more of Besotted on the on, on the in the in the ether in the airwaves uh, in hopefully in the next couple of months, and we we'll should hopefully be able to announce that next week which is all good because I know a lot of people are sort of saying to us oh you what's know this, what's this stuff you keep teasing us with yeah it's a bit of a tease we like teasing we're a bit of a tease we can't announce it no we can't announce it yet because we've not been officially told to announce it as yet
5: can I just say that I didn't realise this was the Besotted podcast. If I'd known,
2: I would never have done this. <laughs> well, listen, but now you know this is the Besotted Friday West London podcast as well. Check out the GPG. They're going to have an interview with the Brentford owner, Matthew Benham, as well. If you just Google, Google um, Matthew Benham and Besotted, you will get the GPG. You'll get the GPG interview as well because it's not necessarily accessible to everybody as well. And also you get... Accessible to everybody, so you can just Google Griffin Park Grapevine and... And, and then we'll come paste it onto ours. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> which is all good. But listen, Norwich is coming on Saturday. We're all looking forward to that game. We need to keep the momentum up. This could be a monumental moment. We can be going through this month having not lost one league match, because Wolves doesn't count. So anyway, as we're in the Sun and 13 Cantons, we're fully rock and roll. And in a rock and roll, we need to come on side...
1: Come, come on, you, you bees! Be. C-P-C forever. come on, come on, you come on, come on, you
3: Come on, come on, you breadfruit, come on, say come on, you
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's.